Here's a question to think about from Trent Griffith. Who is your teacher? If you will not learn from Christ, there will be a thousand other teachers standing in line to take His place. You will either learn from Christ, you will hear from Christ and be taught by Christ, or you will become a student of ungodly teachers. So the choice is yours, Christian. Who did you learn that behavior from? And if you're not changing, it's because you haven't been enrolled in the school where Christ is teaching. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Well, have you ever noticed some of the silly things we do to try to break bad habits or maybe even form good ones? In another month or so, a lot of us will be trying and failing to keep some New Year's resolutions. The gym will be crowded more than usual for just a while. Did you ever tie a string around your finger to help you remember something? That's an attempt to try to change your forgetfulness. We make promises to ourselves. We try punishment and reward to motivate ourselves to change. We beat ourselves up for not being like so-and-so. Well, sometimes we succeed, but a lot of times we actually don't really change. The Bible's clear that transformation or spiritual change is not only possible, it's necessary. I've heard it said that God loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. The theological term for change is actually sanctification. It's a lifelong process for every true believer in Jesus. It's gradually becoming more and more like him. While Pastor Trent is in a series from the book of Ephesians, the series is Walk Worthy, and the message is titled, A Deeper Conviction About Change. Here's Pastor Trent. Look at verse 22 of Ephesians chapter four. Put off your old self. And look it down at verse 24, and put on the new self. Put off and put on. What do you think of when you think about putting something on or putting something off? I think about uh, a wardrobe here. Now, how many of you understand that the Apostle Paul, at the time that he was writing this, probably did not walk into a walk-in closet and kind of pick out his outfits for the next few weeks? Probably not a whole lot of variety or selection back in the day. Back in the day when somebody put off some clothing, it was because it was worn out, smelly, dirty, and it didn't work anymore. And then you had to really work hard to try to find something new to put on. It wasn't deciding between 14 different selections, right? Something was worn out, something wasn't working, something else had to be put on. Very different than the experience that I have on a typical Sunday morning. Can I give you a little insight into the Griffith household about seven o'clock on a Sunday morning. This is what happens. I walk into my closet and I use all of my fashion sense to prepare something to put on. And so I do my best and I walk out of that closet and face four females who are there to judge me. And they look at me, and one in particular usually puts her hand on her hip, sticks it out like this, and says, where do you think you're going dressed like that? <laughs> you need to change. 
here's the analogy that Paul is using. He is actually using this analogy for the regular, normal, daily Christian life. Do you know what he's trying to say? Where in the world do you think you're going dressed like that for crying out loud? That is not going to work. That is worn out. That is old. You need to put on something new. Here's what we need to understand. Change begins when you get a new perspective. When I walk out of my closet wearing whatever clothes that I picked out, I didn't know it was ugly until my daughters looked at me and said, Dad, that's not going to work for you. Okay, They gave me a a new perspective. One of the, the shows that our Our children used to watch, I don't think it's on anymore, but it's called the show, What Not to Wear, right? Well, that's that's kind of the title of this message. This is what not to wear for a Christian. Nobody's going to change. I can't convince you to change until you understand that the way that you're walking is empty, meaningless, full of vanity and futile. And it's not until the Holy Spirit convicts you that the life you're living is futile that you would sense the need for change. Paul goes on in verse 18 and begins to give us an even better description of what it was like to live outside of Christ. So what does it look like for a person who's living outside of Christ? He gives us a seven-layer description. Here's what he says. They are, speaking of these Gentiles that we're talking about just a non-Christian, They are darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to the hardness of their heart, they have become calloused and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Congratulations. Aren't you glad you came to church? Isn't that such an encouraging list? Right? Now listen, when you are living as a non-Christian, You don't even know that that is the description of your life until God begins to give you a new perspective. You see, for me, I thought I was doing just fine. I mean, I went to school and uh, I took biology, philosophy, psychology, had some technology. And so I thought I was pretty enlightened. I I thought that, man, there's I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I thought I was enlightened. But then when God gives you a new perspective, you realize I was darkened in my understanding. It's kind of like the permacloud that kind of hovers over Michiana in in February. It's just kind of dark and gloomy and you don't even know that the sun is still out there sometimes. And so that's the understanding. And what Paul is saying, if you're going to change and if you have been changed, if you've become a Christian, you do not want to continue to walk The way you once walked and the way you once walked was darkened in your understanding. You see, I thought I was, I thought that God was kind of unconcerned or uninvolved in the world. But then I realized I was alienated from the life of God. And this is the testimony of everybody who's now walking with Christ. Your testimony is probably something like this. I wasn't necessarily thinking I was a bad person. I was kind of religious. If you'd asked me if I believed in God, I probably would have said yes. But he he just seemed really distant. And it's like, can you really know what he's like? And can you really have a relationship with him? Does he actually speak to you? And and do you you really have this relationship that's close? But 
I look around the world, there's so much tragedy, and I look at the hurt and the heartache in my life, and lack of money and sickness, and it's like, God, where are you? You seem kind of unconcerned about these things that are really burdens on my heart. And if you really loved me, it seemed like you'd step in the middle of this and fix it. And either you're unconcerned or maybe you're concerned, but you're kind of uninvolved. And so if you're good, then why don't you change it? Oh, maybe you're good, but you don't have the power to change it. And so I don't even know. No, listen, one day God graciously turns the light on and I realize everything I tried left me empty. Now, listen. This is a message for Christians, but it could be that right now you're finally figuring out why you're so miserable. Because you have tried to satisfy God-given desires in God-forbidden ways. And it's left you dissatisfied, empty, and maybe today for the first time, God's giving you a new perspective. I need to change This is not working out too great. And if you are a Christian, you must no longer walk the way you once walked in the futility of your minds. Remember how futile that life was. So change begins when you get a new perspective. Secondly, change is possible when I receive a new nature. Change is possible when I receive a new nature. Look down again at verse 22. Let's finish these verses. It says, We are to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Corrupt means polluted, damaged, through deceitful desires. Do you know that not every desire you have is a true desire. Some desires you have are there to lie to you. And that desire just says, man, if I could have a boyfriend, if I could have a husband, if I could have a wife that loved me, if I could just get a better job, if I could just live in the place I wanted to live, if I could get better clothes, I would be happy. Those are deceitful desires. Because our desires are to be met only in Christ And so he says, put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. And if you could just see how ugly your clothes are, you wouldn't wear those. How many of you have had the experience? Have you noticed on Facebook now that like there's this memory function that it's like these old photos of the old you show up every so often? How many of you were alive in 1997, right? Have you recently seen a photo of yourself from 1997? You looked better, but you were ashamed of what you were wearing. <laughs> Anybody had that phenomenon? I mean, the parachute pants, you know, that, 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 that was a good look in 97, but not for today. And your, your children are like looking to you and like, what are you thinking? Why would you wear something? They mock you. Let me give you a little parenting strategy when that happens. Just remind them, many more photos of your children are being taken and posted than were ever taken or posted of you. And in the year 2037, you're going to show back up and mock them, okay? Because what they think is cool now 
in 2037, they will think is ridiculous. And so the question is, why would you ever wear that? That belongs to your old pattern, your old self. That was, that was a part of a different wardrobe. And so now for a Christian, we dress differently because we have a new nature. And he, he speaks of the new nature here in verse 23. And to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now I want you to see this. Verse 22, put off, put on. Who is the active agent in verse 22? Who's got to do something? Who's that? You do. And I do. I'm either going to obey or disobey this. Look at verse 24. And put on the new self. Who's the active agent? Me. I've got to do something. I'm either going to obey or disobey. But look at verse 23. To be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Who's the active agent? It's not me. I'm not doing something. Something is being done to me. I am being renewed. That's the tense of the language there. Verse 23 doesn't shout to us an imperative. It doesn't say, be new. It's like, I have no idea how to be something other than what I am, right? What does he say? He says, be renewed. Someone is acting upon me to make me new. And it affects the spirit of my mind. It's the spirit of my mind. Now, think about this. Why doesn't it just use the word mind? Why doesn't it just say, be renewed in your mind? He adds this thing called the spirit of my mind. Did you know your mind has a spirit? I don't think that's talking about some supernatural, weird... It's it's not talking about the Holy Spirit. So what's it talking about? Have you ever heard the term, I've had my imagination captured? Have you ever had your imagination captured by something? What it means is that uh, you're so fixated on something. You're curious about it. You you study it. You want to find out more about it, right? At the deepest part of who you are, there's an imagination that is captured with the things of Christ. And when you understand what Christ has done for you on that cross, do you know what happens? You experience a new birth. You get a new spiritual life. And so the spiritual life activates the spirit of your mind. You get a new identity. You're no longer who you once were. You get a new self. You get new desires, not deceitful desires, but desires for things that are good. That means you now love things you once hate and hate things you once loved. It's incredible. It's new, new desires and new power. This new power gives you the ability to obey God in ways you never could on your own. And then you get a new mind. And I want you to see something about this mind in verse 24. But to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Notice, the likeness of God. How many of you, the last time you uh, produced a resume, you put this on your resume? I'm like God. You want to know something about me? I am just like God. You know the reason why you didn't put that on there? It's because you know there there are some things that need to change if you're going to be anything like God at all, right? But that's what God does for you every day. When you put off and put on 
You are putting on things that look like God because you were created after the likeness of God. This new you is created after the likeness of God. How many of you in wisdom left off the words righteous and holy on your resume? You just left, left that off? Because you know there's some things that need to change if you're going to put that on there. Right. So here's what God wants. He wants the new you to look like God in righteousness and holiness. Now listen, I, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty high bar. How many of you agree that's a pretty high bar? Righteousness and holiness? And there are a lot of people who just give up at that point. Say, I can't do that. There's no way I could ever do that. Now listen, here is the key to change. It is to become so fixated on what Christ has done. To let your imagination be captured with what Christ has done that you begin to change. So what do you have to think about? Think about this. The requirement for us is to be created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's what we're to put on. We're to put on righteousness and holiness. We're to put on the likeness of Christ. This is the story of the gospel. One day, Jesus looked at the old you and was not impressed. And recognized you needed to change, but recognized you had no power to do it. Do you know what he did? He put off his righteousness and his holiness. And he put on the likeness of you. He put on humanity. He became like you. So that on the cross... He could put on your sin. And on the cross, he was treated as if he was unrighteous and unholy. And with the knowledge of Christ's love for me, the sacrifice that he would make that payment for my sin, now that is the motivation for me to put off unrighteousness and unholiness and put on righteousness and holiness so that I can look like Christ. That is the new nature that motivates the change. And then this, change continues as I learn from a new teacher. Look at verse 20. After he describes this life outside of Christ, darkened and alienated and ignorant and hardness of heart and calloused and given up to sensuality and practicing every kind of impurity. He uses the great conjunction. What is it? But that is not the way you learned Christ. Christ didn't teach you those things. You must have learned that from somebody else. Probably some seventh grade friend. Probably some movie you went to. Probably some stupid app on your phone. That's the way you learned to be so callous and so ungodly. You didn't learn that from Christ. And listen, if you will not learn from Christ, there will be a thousand other teachers standing in line to take His place. You will either learn from Christ... You will hear from Christ and be taught by Christ or you will become a student of ungodly teachers. So the choice is yours, Christian. Who did you learn that behavior from? And if you're not changing, 
it's because you haven't been enrolled in the school where Christ is teaching. Notice what he says in verse 21. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Do you remember earlier when we said that we were ignorant? Well, listen, that's because we hadn't been taught the truth. The truth is in Jesus. And the more the truth gets in you, the more you will change, and the more you will change, the more you will be created after the likeness of Christ in truth and holiness. Change continues as I learn from a new teacher. Are you learning from Christ? And You're going to be here next week in church, right? You're coming back? You're coming back? Okay, because we're not finished. We're going to have to learn something. Next week, we're all going to school. We're all going to school, and Christ is going to be our teacher. But um, I know what some of you are thinking right now, and, and you're thinking, if I could just have some specifics. I anticipated that. And so in your bulletin, I want you to take out the list that looks like this. Put off, put on. Now, as you pull that out, resist the temptation to look at all of that just right now. Let me explain to you what we're going to do, okay? Now listen, I have learned some things about surviving a Michiana winter, okay? And if you're new to the area, let me help you out here. The key to surviving a Michiana winter is dressing in layers. Is, it, is, it, is that correct? Okay. Now, when it starts to warm up, you have to shed some layers. You have to put off some layers. There are 78 layers that Christ wants us to put off. You say, man, I didn't know there was that much sin in the Bible. Uh, this is 25% of the sin that's mentioned in the Bible, okay? And if you were kind of guessing about, I wonder what God wants to change. Well, let's start with this. Number one, a lack of love. Lack of love. Let, let me tell you what I want you to do. As we, as we, we're not going to walk through all this, but I'm, we're going to get you started here. And I'm going to give you some time just to sit with Christ, and He's going to be the teacher. I'm going I'm to stop teaching, and Christ is going to be our teacher. But if you have found in the last 12 months yourself having a lack of love, I want you to circle the number beside that particular sin. So, a lack of love for God. In the last 12 months, if that's true, just circle that. A lack of love for your spouse. A lack of love for your children. A lack of love for your parents. A lack of love for your boss. A lack of love for a group of people. A lack of love for people that make more money than you. A lack of love for people that make less money than you. A lack of love for people that look different than you, have a different color than you, are of a different political party than you. Uh, people from a different part of the world than you. If you've had a lack of love, if you've had a lack of love for church, if you've had a lack of love for your pastor, just go ahead and circle um, number one if you've had any lack of love. Are you understanding this? Because we're going to put that off. Circle that. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you time here at the end of the service. I'm going to allow you, before God, in prayer, to put that off. You're going to leave it right here. Okay? And once you've done that, you can check through the number. All right? Number two, judging. Now, Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. And that doesn't mean that you should never judge. We judge all the time about uh, what kind of clothes to wear, who we employ, where we're going to work, where we're going to school. There's all kinds of judgments that we make. What Jesus was saying is, you're not allowed to judge someone with a different measurement than you judge yourself. For most of us, what we're guilty of is it is 
We are way better at seeing the sin in somebody else's life than we are at seeing in our own. And the proper attitude of a Christian is to understand there's so much unfinished business in me. There's so much that needs to change in me. I've got very little time left over to judge you. I'm spending all the time on me. So if you are guilty of judging somebody else and that being an easier exercise than judging your own sin, just go ahead and circle number two there. And in a few minutes, you can, before God, confess that sin, put it off, and you're going to put on, on the other side of the page, what does it say? I'm going to let God search my heart. Number three, bitterness. Bitterness is harbored hurt. Has somebody hurt you? Has somebody slandered you? Somebody mistreated you? Somebody abused you? Somebody cheated on you? Somebody been disloyal to you? And if you harbored that in your heart, you stored that kind of for future use, instead of releasing that before God and understanding that God has forgiven me of so much sin, how can I now not forgive a brother that sins against me? If there's any ounce of bitterness, I want you to circle number three. We're going to put that off and we're going to put on tender-hearted and forgiving. Okay? That's the way it's going to work. Now, this is what I want you to do. There will be no formal dismissal of this service. Okay? I want you to take as much time as you need. I'd at least like you to finish the first page, the first 20. You may want to take this and before you go to work tomorrow... Pull this back out either tonight or tomorrow and work through every one of these 78 things and say, God, I want to make sure that I am applying what I'm learning at church. I don't want to just kind of take notes and say, I wasn't that a nice service and have some people slap me on the back. I want to change. And so, God, I'm putting off. I'm putting on. You can keep this in your Bible. You can use this as a regular exercise. But we need to get serious about not walking as we once did. Put on the new self. Put off the old self. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to give you time. We're going to keep the the auditorium quiet. And so let's save our conversations for out in the lobby. I know you have children to pick up and things like that. We've got them. We'll, We'll keep them for a little while. Let's just pray right now and ask God to give us His mind as we do this. Father, tonight, today, we pray that You would change us continually. Thank You for the conviction of Your Spirit clarity of your word. God, I pray that you would guard us from experiencing any kind of false guilt or false shame because we know that with an exercise like this comes the knowledge of what you have done, paying the penalty for these sins, and yet you've called us to put them off. And so God, would you give humility? Would you be our teacher right now? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's Pastor Trent Griffith of Gospel City Church. He only made it through a few of the layers. So if you'd like to see the full list of the 78 things that we need to put off and put on, you can find it on our Resonate page on our website. Just go to mygospelcity.org resonate. We'd also like to invite you to join us at Gospel City Church for one of our special Christmas gatherings next weekend, Sunday, December 22nd. You can join us at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 4 p.m., or 6 p.m. We'll celebrate Jesus, the true light of Christmas, through worship and carols, special music, and the story of the gospel. Everyone is welcome to join us. There is a place for you. You can learn more at mygospelcity.org Christmas. 
Do you ever find yourself wishing more people in the world would actually tell the truth? How about this? Do you wish there were more people in the world who wouldn't blow their top and lose control and just be angry all the time? Well, Pastor Trent is going to talk about that next week right here on Resonate. I hope you'll join us then. Thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that this week, as you put off and put on the right character qualities, God's Word would resonate in your heart. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.